Welcome to the By the Hood podcast. Before we start this episode, could you do me a favor? Could you rate and subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts? And also, could you subscribe to our YouTube channel? That's at youtube.com slash by the hood. What's up, people? Welcome to this episode of the By the Hood podcast or webcast because I don't know how you're consuming this content. I'm your host as always. My name is Jimmy. And as we start off every show, that's with gratitude. Just want to say thank you to anyone who shared any of our content, supported anything that we've got going on. Special shout out to all the students from By the Hood University, which is growing astronomically. It's just amazing. And um, the love and energy is 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 unlike anything I've ever seen. Um, I want to send a special shout out to all the educators that have been reaching out and allowing us to speak and pour into their students to try to, you know, make a difference in that way. We've done a lot of that in recent time. But my partner in crime, Corey, is here. Corey, how are you, good brother? You know, every day above the ground is a good day. You'll never hear me complain about being alive. Listen, that's absolutely true, man. And listen, our platform is designed to highlight brothers and sisters who are doing amazing work in the community, building successful businesses and making black history in real time. So we have a, a living legend on with us, man. We have a brother, Kayer, who... Um, was born and raised in Philadelphia, but has worked on Wall Street, but he's also built a multi-million dollar real estate portfolio. And he's out here making history right now. So without further ado, man, Kara, how are you? I'm doing well. I'm coming to you guys live from New York City. I'm a Philly cat. I'm so excited to be in the presence of two legends. Uh, I just admire the work you guys are doing and, and, and can't wait to just share my story with your audience. Oh, man, we appreciate that. And listen, you're, you're, you're actually making history yourself, man. Um, You know, you, I've read your bio and it talks about, you know, coming from humble beginnings to where you are now. But can you tell our audience who may not be aware of, of your story, where you're from and and how'd you come up? So I grew up in Philadelphia, single parent household, my mother raising myself and my seven siblings. We moved around place to place. We're on welfare. For people that don't know what that is, like you use an EBT card now. So we really, really were in abject poverty. And I remember vividly, there at one instance, our house had burned down. And my elementary teacher, I was probably five or six, she came and bought us a big bucket of original chicken and macaroni and cheese and mashed potatoes. I'm an original chicken type of guy, but I damn sure love my coffee. <laughs> How you gonna mess up the coleslaw? But I ate it because beggars can't be picky. But I remember that story vividly because I remember eating the food and looking at our third floor, which was missing because of the fire and you could see the stars. And at that moment, I had a burning desire to build a legacy and also to have financial freedom. And so from there, I was just very driven. I went to public school in Philadelphia. I went to Huey Elementary on 52nd and Pine. Then I went to Sierra Middle School on 58th and Walnut. Then I went to University City High School, bust my butt off, and got awarded a full scholarship to go to Bowdoin College, where I explored the financial food chain throughout the summer doing internships. Then was awarded a job by Goldman Sachs and did investment banking on Wall Street. And so it was really crazy. And I was able to get exposure to the real estate business when I went to go work for a hedge fund in Boston covering home builders in the U.S. and the U.K. and financial institutions. And then that's when I had bought my first rental property, uh, a foreclosed property in 2009. And from there, I just decided to start building. Man, that's an amazing story. First of all, shout out to all the educators, because 
um just her showing up with that chicken that that's an amazing story because you know you never know you never know what, what kind of uh something you could spark but um yes. so shout out shout out to your, your teacher for that um but that experience right so 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 growing up in poverty but then being able to go from that to working at Goldman Sachs right so that that's that's most people's dream job like what what did you learn at Goldman Sachs what was fascinating is that there were a class of about 300 people from around the world that were um, first year analysts and about five or seven of us were African American. And it just was at a level of performance that people are normally not exposed to. So the expectations were extraordinarily high. I remember it was the first time I ever worked 50 hours straight without sleep and just working. Uh, we had like a, a daycare center where you can go and like take a nap and then get back on your assignments. So I got exposure to mergers and acquisitions. That's when a company by another company, I did financing deals. I also got exposure to industry work where I got to learn how to analyze industries. I was sent on assignments where I represented uh, Goldman Sachs, where I had no one else, no VP or what have you at meetings. And it was it blew me away and opened my eyes to how to run a business, put systems in place and also put processes in place. And that job led me to my next job, which was at a hedge fund doing uh, a multi-billion dollar longshore equity hedge fund in Boston. And so the jobs I had really prepared me in many ways to think outside the box and be able to analyze things very objectively uh, and not so much emotionally that you're attached to it. So I use all that knowledge because there are three forms of knowledge, I think. One is your intellectual uh, capital, and that is intellectual capital is what you get from your experiences, from working, from going to school, from listening to platforms like yours. That's how you're going to get the intellectual capital, get mentors or what have you. Then you have the financial capital. So while I was working, I start saving money. And then you have the social capital. And so like working in these environments, I was able to team up with my business partner uh, recently, uh, but Without those relationships, I wouldn't be where I am today. So I was able to use the, what I say is the three C's, um, intellectual capital, financial capital, and social capital. So that's primarily what I took away from my experience working on Wall Street. Man, that's, that's, yo, that's yo, powerful. That's, yeah, that's that's a bar. Like those three C's, intellectual, social, and financial capital. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, that's basically, that's the formula. You just gave the formula. You just gave it away for free. Thanks, man. Thanks for, thanks for, giving, <laughs> thanks for giving our audience yeah, that, yeah, that, that free gym. Yeah, yeah, shout out to our brother, uh, Ross Hassan, who always talks about it being different forms of capital. Because I think that that uh, that part of the social capital relationships, I don't think a lot of people focus on that. But relationships are capital. Like, you know, and, and sometimes that can be more, I shouldn't say more important, but more powerful than the financial capital, like being able to cultivate relationships and maintain them and, and, and calling on folks. Well, I, I always tell people about the three R's and one is your track record. So when I first started, I owned one house, I bought one house and then I got nine single families, fixed them up, run them out, refi. So that became, you have the track record. Then the next R you need is the relationships. And that's the relationships with the banks, with other professionals like you guys in the industry to learn from and also to partner with. And then the third R is your reputation. So once you have the relationships and you have the track record, then you have the reputation and then you're able to leverage that because people know that you're no joke and that you're very serious and that you're crazy uh, at what you do at one of the best. So you can go from owning one house. I own one single family in 2009. Then 2018, I own nine single families. Then 2019, I own 35 rental units. And then 2020, I own 105 rental units. 
And it was because I understood the three R's, track record, relationship, and reputation. And I understood the three C's, intellectual, social, and financial capital. Man, oh, man. That's powerful right there. <laughs> right. Yeah. So so let me ask you this question. So you go to the hedge fund um, and you said that's where you got exposed to the real estate side. Um, yes. What was it about the real estate that uh, intrigued you or made you want to like, you know, look further and, and create your own? Well, I was always fascinated by real estate since I was a young lad because I was like every time the landlords gave us the notice that we had to move because my mother wasn't perfect. But she wasn't a perfect money manager and our financial uh, situation was always insecure when I was growing up. So I said, man, when I get older, I want to be the damn landlord. He gets to tell people when to leave, he gets to tell people when. <laughs> so it always, that seed was planted since I was a young kid. And so when I grew, grew up, I said, look, I'm going to get a job where I'm going to fully understand how banks work and I'm going to fully understand how home builders work. So I studied like the uh, Toll Brothers and all of them and analyze when you should buy them, when you should sell them, understand the, the mortgage business. And from the investor standpoint, and then I said, I'm going to become a practitioner. So that's how I got fascinated about the uh, home builders and real estate business. So I got to understand what do the home builders think? What do the banks think? And then I got to think about what do the investors think? And now I already had an edge on what the damn renters think because I was that my whole life. So <laughs> I just was able to use all those levels. Got you. Got you. So um, when you're getting into the business, um, what would you say was the most difficult part about starting your journey in real estate? Um, oh, I think that the um, most difficult part, I think, was not necessarily um, starting it. I think the most difficult part was believing that you can go from owning nine single families or even owning five single families to owning apartment buildings. Because it's like you get up to the point where you're like, do I take the leap or do I stay here and be safe? And a lot of people would say, I remember I talked to some people in the industry and they said, KR, you better be careful. When you get into those commercial properties, it's a different beast. You probably was good at buying the single families, fixing them up and renting them up out. But how do you know you're going to be successful buying apartment buildings? There are not that many people that look like you uh, or come from your background. Uh, in terms of like your family background. I said, well, you know what? In order to be great, you have to get started. If you don't get if you don't get started, you'll never be great. And so I just built up that faith and that confidence by building that knowledge and also that experience and connecting myself with the right people that I was able to take the leap. So I think that was the most difficult part is making that transition from being a, a single family rental expert to moving into an apartment complex. I think that was the most challenging part for me. The first part wasn't that challenging because I said, I'm young as hell and I'd rather fail now and buy this foreclosed property from 3801 Market Street in 2009. <laughs> I said, I ain't got nothing to lose. I, I ain't got no children. We just gonna go out with a bank. And so I think that the first time it was much easier because you're like, hey, if I mess up, I just go back and get a regular job. Um, yeah, I, I like that, uh, that, that one line you said right there. In order to be great, you gotta get started, right? Ooh. Cause that's like so simple yet so powerful. Like in order to be great, you have to get started. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's it. That's it right there. That that's the line right there, Core. Yeah, in order to be great, you got to get started. Like you know, everybody, everybody talks Absolutely. about you know being great, but what are you doing to mm -hmm. be great? You yeah. know what I mean? Let me ask you this: You talked about your background and and, and having. So you said it was eighty. You total. Well, you had seven brothers and sisters, or were yeah. you one of them? Okay. Yeah. One so, of 
how how has that shaped you uh, in terms of who you become? I'm having you well, know. Oh, it's crazy because I like the middle child. So like, you have to. I remember. I remember growing up, and my mother would give us like ships for cooking, and I'm like, what? What the, in the world? Did you just have children to be cooking dinners? Or what? I said, I thought we supposed to just be eating. I'm supposed to specialize in eating at five or six or seven. Or eight. <laughs> but what my mother would do is she would say, an older sibling take a younger sibling and teach them how to cook, so every week you can go on ships. And so what would happen is that you start to learn responsibility, you start to learn time management because your mother's like. Y'all but y'all only gonna get like two or three minutes up to five minutes in the bathroom. Y'all gotta keep this moving. We gotta get everybody out. We gotta get everybody out. So you learn time management, you know, you learn portions. Uh, and if you're the middle child, you learn how to negotiate with the younger siblings and with the older siblings. So I think that that taught me a lot about different personalities. Oh my goodness, there were so many different personalities. So you really get to say it. And another thing is amazing is that you say, I don't really, if the world don't love me, I got enough siblings that I can pick a few. <laughs> We got our own football team. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, that's, a good, that's a good one. Um, so now, so now, you know, getting back on your journey, though, you talked about uh, scaling up. Right. So. Yes. Um, so I guess the question I have is for the folks listening that may own single family properties. And you talked about like the belief part of thinking that you can scale. So what was it like from the technical side in terms of scaling up, um, going from single family to, to finding that deal, like I'm going to buy an apartment? What was that first deal like for an apartment? Yeah, that's a great question. So a lot of people are, a lot of people want instant gratification. And so for me, I said, look, I want to build a track record and I want to first have my own capital because it's nothing wrong with hard money lenders, but I didn't want to go that route. I said, I want to be my own guy. So, for instance, I bought a property for $22,000 and I put $17,000 into that property to fix it up. And then it was appraised for $115,000. I was able to do a refi, which is you take the cash out. You don't have to pay any taxes on it. And I got $85,000. Well, imagine doing that for 10 properties. Now you have $850,000 that you could put aside and save for when you want to buy a big property. So I, my first property I bought was... Uh, apartment building was six units and it was $325,000. So you assume you have to put down like uh, 20, 25% or something like that. That's close to like, let's say 80,000 or you got to put 80,000. So because I had that cash set aside, I decided to delay gratification. Don't go out, buy the fancy cars, go all these fancy vacations. Um, I was able to put a down payment on that building. And then I was able to buy a triplex for $195,000. And then I put down 30% on that. So to make the math easy, 200,000 times 30 is $60,000. So what I did is I used my single families, built them up, used that cash flow refi, sit on a lot of cash. And then I was able in a very practical, systematic way buy uh, apartment buildings. And so I went from the six unit, then I got a three unit, then I got a five unit in the Northeast, and then I got a 12 unit in Darby. And once you build up that cash and you're running through it, then you're able to buy something big. Say you want to buy a million dollar property. You say, all right, I bought as much as I can on my own now. Now I need to consider doing syndication where I find a partner. So I may have only a hundred grand left and another person may have a hundred grand. And then we say, let's go put 20% down this million dollar property. And so that is how I went from single family to apartment buildings. And that's where I am today. And I was able to retire last year. So I no longer work on Wall Street. 
I just run my own businesses. Nice. So that talks about discipline as as, as well as patience, right? Um, mm-hmm. Have you always been disciplined and patient? That's something you had to work on. I, you know, what's so crazy is that uh, I got disciplined, like I would say, and like uh, primarily in ninth grade, because I was looking through my middle school element, my middle school graduation book, and it's funny because one of my good friends like, I'm surprised you made it. I said, what the hell? <laughs> You getting shot or something? Like, you just talking about my academic abilities. And she said both. I said, oh, damn. So I used to be like middle of the road student, like in middle school and stuff like that. Because uh, parents got divorced and I was just being disobedient and hooky from school and all those different things. And then I remember talking to family members and uh, my stepdad. And he was like, don't be an F up like me and some of your other family members who may have had children at a really young age and were didn't graduate from high school and things of that nature. And it really stuck with me. It really hit me hard. And I was like, wow. So you telling me that I could be different. And then I said, you know, I'm going to start believing that. I I had a strong faith. I'm a Christian. And I said, you know what? I'm going to apply myself. Even if I'm an idiot, at least if I apply myself, I can say I gave it my best shot. And then I went from being a middle, a student middle of the road, then from ninth grade and graduated from high school, valedictorian, class president, school president, debate captain, track captain, cross country captain, um, played football and got a, a full scholarship. It was like a, a complete 180. So I definitely think people can definitely change. You just got to be focused. Like I remember being younger and uh, I'm not ashamed of it. I smoked weed when I was in middle school, but I, re- I smoked and, and, and drank alcohol in middle school. But in high school, ever since I haven't touched that stuff because it wasn't for me. So I do think people can change uh, if you decide to. You have a deep desire to change who you are. But you know what's interesting about that? And I, I think, you know, I just want to you know, talk about this second. Your, your stepdad actually pouring into you and telling you that you could be different. I think that's why a lot of us have to watch how we talk to the next generation, right? Because you, you, he poured into you. Even if even if he was saying, don't be like me, that he still told you that you can do better and you can Absolutely. be different. So, I mean, I mean, you know, throughout this story, your, your teacher coming to you when you're in need, you know, yeah. um, so the elders poured into you, yes. um, which helped you get to where you are today. So I think that's important to point out. I, I tell people I'm not I'm not self-made. I'm community made. So the community yeah. made me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. I'm not so you got so many great one liners. I don't know what I'm going to title this episode. Right. You yeah, know, right. you know, what I mean, in order to be great, you got to start. And then he said, I'm not yeah. self-made. I'm community. made. I like all those. But um... yeah, <laughs> hey, that, that was that was that was amazing right there, because a lot of us are community made. A lot of us take it the other way and say that we're self-made when yeah. 10,000 people helped us to get to the point where we are in right. life. And so I, I like it that you recognize that. Nobody is self-made, man. Somebody, somebody helped you along the way, mm-hmm. and, and if and if you're if you're successful, somebody helped you get to be successful. Nobody, nobody is successful in a in a vacuum, and mm-hmm. so I don't believe there any self-made anything. I don't either, and I, but I think it's important for you know. So now you know, and this can includes me too, all of us, to do that for somebody else, right? Because yes. you know, each one teach one, um, and, and every other cliche you want to throw out there, but uh. But no, this this story is amazing, man. C- coming from where you came from to to where you are now, um, and I know you talked about the difficulty of scaling up. But let me ask you about your entire journey. What has been the biggest hurdle that you've had to overcome personally 
to go from you know the the kid who grew up in impoverished to now someone who's flourishing with this you know um this track record of working on Wall Street to now running your own million dollar company. What has been the biggest hurdle? I think the the biggest hurdle is um, being able to say no. I think that uh, what we do, especially our community, is that we tend to struggle sometimes with saying no to uh, terrible ideas and saying no to people who are not self-motivated are interested in self-correcting. And what I mean by self-correcting is that they're just, they, they don't even have to be motivated, just do the basic stuff. And they're not even willing to do that. And so that's really difficult. We feel as though we have to save everybody because a lot of people help save us. And I, I think that that was something I had to come to terms with at a very young age to say, look, I'm gonna be successful, right? And I'm focused on transformational um, change and transformational wealth. A lot of people would say generational wealth, which is good because that means the next generation. But what I like to say is transformational. And the way we do transformational is we're thinking about my younger brother. So I gave him money for a down payment and told him, make sure you stay on your mortgage. I gave my other brother money for a down payment for his house when I was 18 and he was older than me. I was in college and he was older, said he wanted to get a house. I said, look, I'm going to give you a thousand dollars towards that. And so by eight, by enabling ourselves to be in a position where we can help with transformational wealth, I think that is the that's the key. But the challenge is that being able to say no as scaling up because you're becoming so well off and so well connected that a lot of people will always ask you, can you help me help me do this and do that? And so what we do on our page, KJ Consulting on our IG page is we want to build a community where people feel comfortable saying no and understanding how to create transformational wealth through real estate. That's, that's, that's powerful, man, because it reminded me of something that, uh, and, and I know we have a mutual friend in Tracy. Tracy always talks about um, networking and how when people network, they always want to network up and they don't understand the power um, of oh. networking sideways. Yeah. So that kind of reminded me of when you talked about your idea of transformation. Yeah. Well. yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like the same concept. So I, I think that's, that's interesting. Um, Another question I have for you. Um, what is your favorite book or a book that's inspired you along your journey? I think when I was younger, one thing that's great is that my all my favorite books, if you're interested in finding out KR's favorite books, go to our IG page, KJ Consultant. We list our favorite books. But one of my favorite books is Think and Grow Rich, A Black Choice. And that is a book that was written by a black person. Napoleon Hill started, but a black person finished it. And it pretty much zero ends on successful African-Americans overcoming uh, obstacles and change their mindset. Uh, and, and that book was very influential uh, when I was growing up. That, that's one book. But definitely on my website, I lay out all my favorite books. That's one of the thing, things we do on a, every other day. We lay out the books that have had a big impact on me. Yeah, that, that is a powerful book. Um, I, 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 It's one of my favorites too. Uh, Dennis Kimbrough, I believe is the guy's name yes. wrote that book. Yeah, so that's a powerful book right there. So, Core, I know you had a couple questions you wanted to ask, Core. I did. Um, so, you know, you, you got a gang of siblings, you know, y'all gang gang, and, you know, y'all moving through life together, and then you separate. What was that separation like? What, did it, did it, uh, you know, help you to focus to have that many siblings or was that separation some sort of anxiety for you when you started to move on your own path? No, I actually think it helped me. Like my my younger brother, um, was, the year I went to college, um, my younger brother 
had been sentenced for uh, attempted murder. So he spent 12 years in Kyle and 12 years in prison while I was on my journey to Wall Street. And it's the funny, you have that book called The Other Westmore, and it's about a guy who shares the name with someone in prison and they don't really, they're not related. But my life is actually just like that book where I had to pursue my dream. My brother was unfortunately arrested. And so he will write me a, le- a letter and say, KR, like, uh, continue to pursue your dream because in the end it's going to help the whole family. And so for me, it was just a motivator to see the opportunities that I could achieve and ultimately create transformational wealth where I help not only the next generation, but help the existing generation on the left and the right side of my life. Yeah. And the, the other question I had is when you're out and you're doing your, uh, your scouting for your, your, your properties and, and um, the community, what, what kind of relationships do you need to build with the community to help, you know, uh, expand your business? So what, what I realized is that I wanted to help the community. So the first thing I did was I said, how can I employ some of my family members? So my stepmom, she became one of the senior property managers. My uh, brother became one of the property managers. I also told my brother to get his real estate license. So he's also my broker. So when we do these million dollar deals or what have you, my brother is getting a big percentage, a 3% commission. So we keep the, the money in the community. Also, my aunt, she works for me, have a cleaning business. So whenever I have my 105 units, they become vacant or we just finish a renovation, the aunt is getting paid. We're keeping the money in the community. Uh, one of my interns is also my niece. So, and also we have another intern that's a young African-American guy. So what we try to do is help money stay in our community by hiring contractors and experts and things of that nature um, to help out. But we also hire people from different backgrounds as well. But that's how I make sure that we're educating the community and giving back and doing workshops, talk to schools and stuff like that for free. That's powerful, man. You, you, yeah. you give a lot of opportunity to to family like that. That that right there is um, that's revolutionary. Right. People will talk about like these these revolutionary acts. But sometimes like when you help someone to, you know, um, to feed uh, their family, yeah. that's, 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 the, that, the most revolutionary thing you could do for another person is to help them feed their family. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So. With your family. We have this myth that don't hire your friends and your family. I'm totally against that. I think just be careful who you hire. But by <laughs> yeah, we're building goodwill in the community and in your family. So when you come from home for the holidays, everybody, yo, that's K. I love KR. <laughs> I'm happy when I write my stepmom a Christmas bonus, my brother a Christmas bonus, and all these it stays in the family. Like everybody's like, yo, it's nobody. We're all in the will. So this is all for all of us. So whenever we have those tight moments, of, I'm like, look, you in the will. We all. This is for all of us. This is not just about me. So you're not only getting paid, but you're also going to benefit long term. Yeah, man, that's that's good stuff right there. That's that's powerful, man. So um, explain a little bit about KJ Consulting. How did KJ Consulting come about and, and, what, and what are you guys working on now in, in gotcha. the future? So what happened was um, in 2018, I was working at uh, an, uh, an investment bank, Wall Street Bank, and Joe Mears worked there as well. And a bunch of the, the guys that were there said, hey, let's get on the phone with KR because he's doing real estate and he's working on Wall Street. How the hell is he doing that? So we had a phone call. And so Joe Mears decided to uh, follow up after the call. He was serious. He, I was in a Boston office. He was in a New York office. So he came all the way to um, Boston and treated me to dinner and say, look, I want to pick your brain. You seem like you have a process on how to do investing in real estate. I said, yes, I do. So that's good. 
So we 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 were able to hook up and I said, look, I'm going to give you my framework. I'm going to teach you the way I analyze deals and markets. So after we did that, he said, uh, can I invest with you? And I said, well, I don't let people just invest with me. I said, I have to date you before I marry you because when you have partners, we're married. And mm -hmm. so he was one of my debt investors. He gave me a few thousand dollars as a debt investor that I used for rehabbing a property. Then I paid him back. Then the next thing that, that happened um, was he said he wanted to buy some of his own property. So he started buying. We analyzed the market in Indiana. He built up his portfolio, which he owned 16 outright, his own in his own name. And then I said, all right, we could be equity partners now. And this is 2020. And I said, look, I need you. This is how you're going to learn from me. You're going to be like Neil. And this is like uh, the Matrix. I will teach you my framework and my practices. Uh, and you would just do the drills because I realize I'm a really good coach. So and also for all the students that decide to listen to um, our teaching and sign up for our programs, what we do is I say, look, you already know how to run. You already know how to throw. You already know how to catch. I'm going to teach you how to run faster. I'm going to teach you how to be a better catcher and I'm going to teach you how to be a better thrower. And that's what I did with Joe, Joe Mears. And so in 2020, we partner up and the two of us bought 44 units together. Um, and so, and then after that, Joe was like, Hey, I know you're super busy with a cleaning business, with this rehab general contracting business. I have my own property management business, managing 85 of the units. He said, you got, I do motivational speaking, krmotivates.com. He said, look, let's start your other business, which is coaching. Let's do what you have already done with multiple people that, uh, invest in Columbus, Ohio and Maine around the country. Instead of doing it on a private basis where some people pay me just for one-on-one -on -one coaching, let's design a program and, and share with the world. And so Joe and I decided to start KJ Consulting uh, this past fall, 2020. And we had our first class. It was successful. And now what we do is we're dropping real estate gems every day uh, on, our, on our page. So on Mondays, we have Motivational Mondays. On Tuesday, we have Tuesday Tips Wednesday. We have Workout Wednesdays. Friday, financial literacy. Tuesdays, we go live and just answer any real estate questions. We have a course coming up. Um, so we're just banging out the best things that we know about real estate to create a movement. Um, and so that's one of my new businesses. And that's how Je Joe and I have been growing that business. Man, that's nice. Make sure you guys go follow the IG page, KJ Consulting, uh, to get you know your, your tips, your motivation, anything you need. And make sure you follow up with him if you're interested in um you know his coaching or any programs he's got going on um listen this this has been an amazing talk uh i love your story for one um and also uh your journey your, your journey's amazing but the future right we talk about what you got with kj consulting what does the future look like for you kr what are some of the things you want to do moving forward so for one thing absolutely what i have been able to do is help some family members buy their own house that they live in my dream is a lot of people will say, I want to be the first millionaire in my family. That's not my dream. My dream is to be the first person in my family to create multiple millionaires in my family. Mm. And I want to repeat that. My dream is to create multiple millionaires in my family and then in my community. And so if I can say my younger brother or, or one, my sister or someone else that they own multiple rentals, and that their family is stable and that they were able to create their own generational wealth, then that will, that will be the goal for me. So right now, what I want to do is continue to build my uh, portfolio. We have I own 105 rental units 
and I own over 80% of that. And that's over a million dollars a year in rental income. So I'm very blessed. So I would like to continue to grow that business. And we're going to integrate the 70 units that I bought last year in the middle of a pandemic, make sure that they're up to the KJ consulting standards because you buy these units, they have other tenants. We want to get everybody into our system. I want to build out my other businesses, which is the cleaning business, build out the property management business because that's other streams of income. And I love to build out the KJ consulting business where we're really teaching the masses about how to do this job in real estate the best way. Um, and also be able to give back in many ways and creating opportunities and inspiring others. That, that's how I look at the future. Yeah, man, that's some good stuff right there, man. First off, to all your family members that watch this, you know, hold them accountable. He wants to make y'all millionaires, so <laughs> he put it out there on record. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, um, no, absolutely. Listen, it's funny, it's funny you say that. I, I just had this conversation with someone. I was telling him, I like, you know, I don't even like to talk about things that I do or have. I'd rather brag on the people that I helped. Yes. Because um, to me, that's more powerful to say, hey, I have a million dollars. What does that mean? But to say that you've helped someone else create a million dollars, that's yeah. actually more powerful. Yeah. You, know? and you feel so good. Like those family members, you help get their first house or you help them fix their credit. When you walk through the door and you see your nieces and nephews or family members and the smiles on their face, it's unbelievable. Yeah, it's, it's nothing like that. It's absolutely nothing like that. So listen, um. This is this. I just want to say thank you. First of all, thank you for uh, for thank what you, you do. Thank you, thank you, yeah, thank you for sharing your story. But thank you for what you do um, and all the people that you will inspire moving forward, uh, because uh, a lot of folks will see this and um, you know, be reaching out to you. But I, I just want to say, um, continue the good work. Continue the good work because it's needed. We need a, a lot of folks like you um, on the front lines doing the things that you're doing. You know, I, I love it. And one thing I, I definitely want to highlight is that when I first started off in real estate. I used to run through the real estate streets. Now I run through the real estate processes and systems. So you find, and what I mean by that is I used to be the guy always running the Home Depot, trying to talk to the contractors on the ground. And that was like, that's good for the beginner mindset. That's the small mindset. I want people to go to the big mindset where now we're working from the office. We work from anywhere in the country and we don't have to be in the streets. We create these systems and processes to scale our business and change the way we fundamentally think about business and the world. And that's what we're trying to teach at KJ Consulting on our IG page. That's a great point, right? And, and the last thing before we end this off, I want to talk about that because you talked about systems and processes a couple of times, and I think that's important. Uh, Corey always says a lot of times that we need to focus more on systems and processes within our community as opposed to focusing on like who's our leader. We need to focus on systems and processes. Um and I, and I think that's interesting. So how did you how did you get to that point? Because when you're starting out, you are doing everything. You're probably doing your own property management. You're probably chasing down contractors. What made you decide, OK, let me take a step back and instead of working in my business to work on my business and create these systems? Like what was that that part of the journey like for you? When I worked at uh, Goldman Sachs at these premier investment banks, I realized that they had created like these processes and systems. So they gave us this big book. It was like our valuation Bible. And they said, all of the interns, you have to use this 300-page book to reference if you have questions about financing deals, industry work, M&A. And I said, wow, they spent all this time designing this book. They said, flip through the page and do exactly what the book says. You may add bells and whistles later, but this is how we do things around here at the firm. I said, wow, when I start a business, I want to make sure I create like a Bible for my business that we know this is how you respond to a tenant. This is how you write an email. This is the letter that you give the tenants when they move in. This is how you talk to a lawyer. 
This is how you handle an eviction process. Create those processes so that people don't always have to call you and also do not feel as though you have to do everything. So like on our page today, if you look at our financial literacy uh, moment on Friday, it's one of our interns. And people would say, whoa, that's crazy. You guys just started your brand. How can you just let an intern do that? It's because we want to empower people and we also want to create processes and systems that anyone can step in if I hit if I'm hit my bus tomorrow. So that's how I started to um, put those processes and systems in place. That's awesome. And that allows you also to, um, you know, as you were telling me earlier, manage properties that are in other states because yes. you have you have system in place. So you can say, here's my system. Yes. You, can run, you can run that anywhere. Yes. And who the hell want to retire from a full time crazy job to start doing having to work full time all the time by yourself? <laughs> Oh, I could just keep working. If I want to go on vacation for six months, I should, if I aspire to do that, I'm not saying I'm doing it right now. I need to put the systems and processes in place to say, you know, I'm taking six months, three months off and this business is going to run for itself. Um, yeah. so I want to be, that's the type of way I want to run a business. I Absolutely. don't want to be a guy that's always in the know and have to work until he's like dead. I don't want to do that. That's the difference between being a business owner and being self-employed. Because when you're, you know, when you're a business owner, you work on your business and not in your business, like, you know, per se. So, yeah, that's powerful, man. And, and you know, Corey, before we get out of here, you got any more questions or, or thoughts of, uh, for the brother? No, nah, man, I just, you know, I'm glad that I'm not living in a bubble. Right. Because, you know, like you said, man, I always say, you know, the black community, we build leaders, but we we're not good at building systems that somebody else can step in and take over. That's why a lot of our movements get killed when the leaders die. and so. You know, he's talking about doing something about that, and that that made me feel good. <laughs> I can't lie; like, I, I, like I, I'm not alone. I tell my team, and I'll be honest, I do not do all the my I do not manage my IG page, but those videos with me and them, those are really me. But um, <laughs> I always tell people, look, we want to make the systems K I S S, keep it simple, smart. And so just keep it simple that even a key gardener can step in and run the business because otherwise you will always be uh, stuck, at, stuck at your desk, which is not good for your health and not good for your, your life and everybody else. So I just say keep it very simple. Listen, uh, that's powerful, man. You inspired me. I'm about to go work on some more of my systems now after hearing that because right. just to, to make it more simple, like to simplify it even more, right? That even a fifth grader, because that's yeah. important too. I think a lot of times we try to overcomplicate things and, you know, um, a lot of times we, we try to make our seem make ourselves seem smart by complicating things when actually to me, um, true intelligence is when you can break it down and, and, and explain it to someone else, you know, when you really understand something. So but uh but care, um just want to say thank you again for your time. You know, we know how valuable your time is, it's the most important asset we have. So I want to say thank you for that. Um, we appreciate you sharing our story and we're gonna put all of your contact info within the description box as well as the show notes of this show so the folks can reach out to you. Um, you know, we'll st definitely stay in touch and build in the future. And just want to say thank you and continue success to you, brother. Oh, I had a blast. It was a pleasure to hang out with you, Legends. Anytime you guys want me on, just reach out to the team and we'll make it work. Just like it's just systems, as I like to say. <laughs> no doubt. No the doubt. team has to work together and then I show up. So this is this is how we get things done. Absolutely. And for the folks out there, please make sure you check out his IG page, see what he has going on at KJ Consulting. Um, and we just want to say thanks again. And as we always say to you guys out there, it's not about how much money you make, it's about how much you keep. Game elevates and we shall see you guys in our next episode. Peace. Peace.